Welcome to the Quantum Leopard podcast. Uh, Quantum Leopard is a multi-award winning, pay what you like, no punching down, no picking on the audience, gender balance booking, Central London Saturday night of lovely comedy, and this is its podcast. Every episode will have a recording of a real live set from one of our nights and an interview with the comedy brain behind it. Uh, we have uh, videos of full shows up on patreon.com forward slash Quantum Leopard, and that's going to have loads of sets that aren't in the podcast as well. Uh, we only charge when new live show videos come out. I'm your host and MC, James Ross, and this is Quantum Leopard. This episode we have the wonderful Keris Bradley. Uh, this set was recorded on the 12th of March 2022 by Matt Heitner to Northdown, uh, and the interview took place on the 21st of July 2022. Uh, I thought this one had a nice contrast with uh, the last one with Jen Ives. Uh, you know, it's kind of um, uh, gender diversity uh, from a slightly different perspective. So I thought let's let's put those two together this way. Uh, quick content warnings for COVID, experience of transphobia, and dysphoria. Uh, enjoy. in my mask and I look like a horse eating from a food bag and it's really funny <laughs> but my body temperature is so high that I'm <laughs> I should have just gotten salted popcorn because the sugar has all and it's now for me I'm so sorry I will clean this up <laughs> anyway that's how you can still enjoy a tra train snack um, whilst <laughs> being a safe and responsible <laughs> um, person on, on the train wearing a mask. <laughs> big, round of, big 
big round of applause, please. <laughs> for my wonderful assistant. Don't stand on the bit of curly whirly because that will melt and it will go everywhere. This is the worst this bit has ever gone. Um, okay, so some of you who've seen me uh, here before will know that I am non-binary. And for those of you who haven't seen me before, you should have guessed. <laughs> I don't do this for fun. <laughs> Um, my girlfriend was out of the flat when I had to put my binder on today. Uh, it took me 40 minutes. <laughs> and I had to use the handle of a door to catch where it had all gotten rolled up at the back to help me finish it. Because I am not as flexible as I would like to believe. Um, so you should all know that I'm non-binary, but what you might not know about me is that uh, I really like to play rugby. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say, give me a cheer if you also like to play rugby, but we have our answer, don't we? <laughs> I know, I know that it's like, I know that of all the sports, I know of all the sports, like you are more likely to have been bullied in your life by a rugby player than in this particular audience to have ever enjoyed playing it in your life. But um, I, I joined a, I joined a club just before the pandemic because I saw them marching in a pride parade, and I think I found like the only nice rugby team in the world. Um, and they've been really lovely. And the thing is, so, okay, so I think rugby is amazing. Um, and rugby also thinks that it's amazing. And that is, <laughs> that is one of the problems. Um, so rugby says that it's a sport for people of all shapes and sizes, uh, but they do have very specific specifications on what your shape and size has to be if you're trans. So <laughs> political. Um, <laughs> I still get to play because I'm exploiting a loophole called uh, Too Scared to Start Hormones. <laughs> Thank you for validating my experience. Um, but I really like it because rugby is a very physical sport and um, so it kind of forces me uh, to be in my body in a way that I have spent most of my life avoiding. And it's also given me like a new language to talk about my body and be like really happy about it. And that language is comparing the bruises that I get in ma <laughs> matches, which I love. Um, I've got a nice one here. Very sad. I had a match on Sunday and that was the only bruise that I came away uh, from it, with, uh, which was kind of sad. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's, a, it's a very, very physical sport and um, it's quite cool because... Uh, so it's made me a lot more confident like being naked, which is not part of the sport itself. <laughs> but afterwards we all come out um, like off the field into the changing room together and I'm now like confident enough to uh, to like be naked around my teammates and demand that they help me put on my binder um, so it's, it's been really nice but um, so last Sunday we had a match and it was such a brutal match and by the end of it I was absolutely exhausted and um, we came into the changing rooms and I um, got undressed <laughs> very sexy um, from head to toe in that order <laughs> as you're supposed to and I'd taken all of my clothes off and I got down to just my socks and I sat down and I realized I was too physically exhausted to have the strength to pull my socks off. And so what I had to do was... Uh... Ask my mate, Smashley, um, if she would be so kind as to pull my sock off for me. <laughs> 
you wanna, do you wanna, do you wanna, do you wanna help, do you wanna help, help? The problem with this is that I was completely naked. <laughs> and trying to hold everything in. And do you know how hard it is to pull someone's sock off without looking right down in their crotch? <laughs> Seriously, you've got to stop looking at my crotch, mate, because you are staring right down the barrel of it. Don't look at me, don't look at my crotch. You only have to take the top sock off, the one underneath it is a joke. And also, I don't want to be barefoot on the stage, someone's covered it with sweets. <laughs> Thank you so much for your help, have a lollipop. <laughs> Big round of applause, please. Uh, just add it to the pile. <laughs> My vagina hates that joke. <laughs> we don't get on very well at the best of times. <laughs> If I was to describe our relationship, I would say that it is, it's very much like having a flatmate where, um, you know, we don't, we try very hard to avoid each other. So it's always nicest when you get home from work and you put the, the key in the door and you realize it's been double locked, which means that they're out. Um, spend most of the time in our flat here just like sneaking into the kitchen when no one else is there. And it's not too bad because they mostly keep themselves to themselves, but once a month they have all their friends around for book, book group. <laughs> Never tell me when it's gonna happen, but they make an absolute fucking mess. <laughs> I'd like to say that they're the worst flatmate that I've ever had living in London, but they're not. So. <laughs> um, it's quite nice at the moment though, because we finally have something that we actually agree on, which is that we are both very, very broody. <laughs> um, and uh, so we've kind of like come together. It's the first time in my life that I think we've ever been on the same team. Um, and this little guy, <laughs> That's about where it is, right? <laughs> I'm not a scientist, I just wear glasses. Um, this, this little guy, very, very broody. Um, so, sometimes I feel like there's a ghostly hand in my uterus that reaches out and snatches the children as they <laughs> go past. Um, and it's becoming a little bit, a little bit of a problem. Just sort of appears when it thinks that there's a child there. Sort of arrives, sniffs the air a little bit. I'm so sorry, I think it must have sensed one. Did you happen? You didn't bring a child with you today, did you? I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. It's just got a mind of its own. I'm gonna finish early so that I can run and get a dustpan and brush. Um, but I would like to say thank you very much, as would Sharky the uterus hand. As ever, you've been lovely. I've been Karis Bradley. Enjoy the rest of your life. Okay, and that was Karis Bradley. Karis, thank you so much for a wonderful set. Thank you for joining us today. How's it going? Uh, it's not too bad, thanks. So that was a, a super lovely set. That was on the uh, from the twelfth of March, twenty twenty two. So that was our um, our birthday show. Um, so um, how are you feeling uh, going into this gig, and how did you find the audience? Well, the audience was lovely because the audience is always lovely. Uh, I was quite happy because when I was up in the green room hanging out with all the super cool comedians, 
a friend that I hadn't seen in a while came in to get a COVID test because I had forgotten to do one before coming to the show, had a little catch up. And that was nice because normally I bring a bunch of people to a quantum leopard and then uh, on this particular occasion, no one was able to make it. So it was the first time in a while that I had been by myself. And then it turns out I wasn't by myself. So I was quite happy. Aww. That's really, really nice. Um, one thing I should say, um, explain to uh, listeners who may not be familiar with bits of Quantum Leopard and how it works, is that in every show we have uh, five acts doing five minutes. Best of those five minutes, by audience vote, comes back for a 10 spot at a future one. Then over the course of the whole year, regulars um, vote on their favourite 10 spot, um, and then they become the Quantum Leopard champion of champions uh, for that year. Um, and then they come back for another set. Keris was uh, the uh, joint winner, along with uh, Louisa Keat, uh, for 2021. So this was their kind of like um victory lap uh set so you know lovely warm room and uh, all very exciting so uh, in terms of the set itself so like this introduction might be slightly baffling on the audio um i uh, have <laughs> I'll probably explained this a bit uh, before the set uh, in the edit um so it's a musical bit and uh, you put on a mask and then you eat a series of increasingly challenging snacks uh, through that piece of music, uh, ending in a packet of uh, popcorn. Um, if you want to see uh, the uh, the video of that, because it is a visual delight, um, then uh, you can access that uh, via our um, Patreon. Uh, we only charge uh, when uh, new live show videos uh, go out and the full archive is available there. So it is well worth go patreon.com forward slash quantum leopard. So, in, from a sort of comedic perspective, from a technical perspective, this is three minutes where, where uh, you basically, you, you don't talk to the audience, um, but it's a nice kind of like structured bit that really kind of gets the people on board. So for me, it's like, it's almost like doing crowd work or doing like bankable bits without doing uh, like that crowd work and then without actually sort of, you know, saying the line. So um, what inspired that, um, that sort of unusual opening? The first time that I did that on stage, it was a set with talking. That came from a tweet. It's an instructional video on how to eat snacks whilst being safe on a train. Mm -hmm. So it's a, you know, a mask to protect other people from your breathing. And um, But then you still want to eat your snacks. It's very, like, we've all sat on a train trying to sneak what's-its into our mouth, feeling really guilty about taking the mask off our face every 30 seconds to put another what's-it in. And this, this was my solution to that. So the, the bit started as a tweet, which was, I was on the way back from a gig. It was like 11 o'clock at night. I was on a train by myself, which I think is where we write all of our best comedy. Mm -hmm. And tweeted about how I was just pouring the popcorn into my mouth and then munching it on the way home like a horse. And I think it got the best response of anything that I've ever put out into the world. <laughs> so... Then I did a set where I like did like a five minutes where I was like, here's how you eat snacks on a train. And it got like, you know, people quite liked it. They thought it was funny and silly. Uh, but I think it is funnier and sillier if you don't give people any explanation whatsoever. And you just mm -hmm. play a song which is sort of tangential to trains and do it. And people either get on board, which they did at Quantum Leopard because they're lovely at Quantum Leopard, or they absolutely do not get on board, which is what happened when I tried doing it in Guildford. And people were just very confused or horrified and uh, <laughs> like not with me at all. In terms of an opening, like nice bit of crowd work, sometimes, often not. I suppose it's got the you, once you started doing it, you're kind of locked into it, really. Like yeah. you can't you can't deviate from that. You are there for the three minutes strap in. Um, like you reference it going like, you know, saying that's the worst that that bit has ever gone. Uh, it sounds like it went much worse at Guildford. So is that uh, is you saying that in an offhand way, like a way of sort of disarming the audience or? 
Well, so that was less a reference to how well I received and more just the fact that I got the food everywhere. Right. Uh, and it's because, so what you will not be able to hear and definitely what I think is worth the Patreon subscription for your listeners. <laughs> it was so hot in that room and I have all of the snacks in a little bum bag that I wear and I decided to put the bum bag on just way too early in the night. And on that particular occasion, I was using sweet and salty combo popcorn, which like I've just... You know, the thing with art is that you you have to walk before you can run and you've got to build yourself up to the more specialty materials because all of it <laughs> melted. And so the popcorn came out of the packet as a massive ball all stuck together. <laughs> it exploded and then went all over the floor. And so just from a technical point of view, it's the worst that it's ever gotten because I've never got that many, like the ratio of snacks from floor to face has never been that poor. <laughs> So, I mean, who is the version of yourself that you play on stage? And, like, how does that differ from real-life Keris? I think what it is, is that the only the only real difference between us is that when I'm on stage, people presume that everything that I'm saying is a joke. And when I'm off stage, people <laughs> presume that everything that I'm saying is absolutely dead serious. And so we think the same way and we say the same things and we do the same things uh, and we just get very different receptions <laughs> um, on stage or like hanging out with a bunch of people and yeah. so I would say that that's I don't know on stage Keris is maybe a bit more charismatic than off stage Keris which I think mm -hmm. is like um part of that the context like people know what I'm doing and, and what they're getting I'd say that on stage Keris is on stage Keris gets hit, hit on a lot more than off stage Keris so on stage Keris is probably a bit sexier as well but I don't think that there's like I don't think who we are is different. It's it's just that the context is different. So what changes is is not what we do. It's it's how it's received. I think. Yeah, I I think yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. I mean, I, I think if you're on stage, it, the things that you would do normally seem more on purpose. Like it's the the implication is I have thought about this and I've come to this stage in order to do them. But also and... when you say outrageous things, people are like, "This is clearly a joke." Whereas when I'm off stage and I say outrageous things, people are like. Did what the f what? <laughs> <laughs> at best, you've misread social cues. At, at, at worst, you're a monster. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I completely get that. No, that uh, yeah, that's um, that's really interesting. Cool. Um, yeah, it's interesting about uh, being hit on stage because I, I know that that kind of like that varies. A lot of people find uh, people who are doing something that they are good at and they're doing it confidently and they're in their element. I think most people find that like quite attractive. So you are going to be like the most appealing version of yourself when you are leaning into something that, you know, you are excelling in, I think. Yeah, I think people are not going to... Actually, I was going to say people are not going to hit on me in the, the outfit that I wear on stage, but it turns out people do. I went on a pub crawl and I was wearing my kit on the pub crawl and a guy hit on me there. But we think that he may have been on meth. So I think that's what it takes. I've either got to be on stage... Yeah, or the person. or he or he's got beyond meth. Like this is <laughs> those are the choices. Okay, um, right. I, one of those is obviously much easier to achieve than the other. So um, let's uh, maybe stick with that. Talking about uh, your participation um, in uh, rugby and um, the 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 loophole about being too scared to start hormones. I thought that was that was really interesting. So you, you just kind of like toss that off as an aside, but I, I feel that that carries like quite a quite a profound truth. So I mean, is that the case? Are you scared? Yeah, I'm very terrified. I'm scared of the like NHS process and mm. the, like 
bureaucracy that I'd have to go through, being put on a list, all of these things, very scary. Uh, so I think that admin is the like scary thing. But then also if I do start hormones, I don't get to play rugby anymore. And mm. uh, the team that I play for now, like, I mean, people who see me do quantum leopard before will have, have heard me talk about my autism on stage as well. But like genuinely, this is the first time in my life that I've had like like a proper friendship group. Like I've I've got I've got I've got friends, and I don't want to say this is the first time in my life that I've had friends because I've got friends who have been very kind and supportive and really persevered with me for a long time. But this is the first time that I've been like part of like a community, yeah. um, which is an absolute chore for me to make sure that I st- like stay in. Uh, and so like a lot of my life would change if I started hormones. Mm from a, a theoretical like queer perspective in t- terms of what that means like I'm I'm not trying to and I talk about this on stage as well like I'm not trying to be a boy and I don't want to transition into a man like what I want is for everybody else to change not for me <laughs> <laughs> that, that would involve more hormones more widely distributed I think well so yeah so like it, I just it's um I'm definitely not it's not it's not like a a, a fear of testosterone is the thing that is holding me back that's why it's like it's like a funny thing like it 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 was like a flippant remark uh it's not like a really sad truth about my life although the first time that I performed it I said it and then the room just went silent and the biggest laugh that I had the the whole night was ah comedy is a fun way to work out which parts of your life are funny and which parts are just sad (laughs) so it, it gets it gets a really mixed reception in yeah. terms of how how people interpreted it but is it yeah it's, it kind of is true and it isn't true and it's not true for the reasons that you would assume that it's true if that makes any sense yeah it does it does now that makes a lot of sense what balance is it for you in terms of like uh wanting to maintain the social group versus like interest in the sport well I like the sport because I play it I didn't realize that sport was fun until I played a sport. I was like, why is everyone watching? We're all just pretending, right? We're all just pretending to find this really interesting. Yeah, yeah. If you actually play the sport, it is very interesting to watch. And I would probably still be friends with all of my team. But what I really like is going to training sessions with them and getting involved. And I genuinely really love playing rugby and I love training and things. And I'm not in a hurry to do anything about my like a gender I'm much more happy identifying as a Kilburn Cosmos player than like I don't know like a I'm trying to think of it like a way to express this which isn't because there are lots of people who go on hormones and I like 100% respect their choice and I think there are people who have the same feelings about the gender that I do who still think the hormones is the right choice for them and I think that's great and I think everyone should be able to do what they want um but I think it's possible to like be transmask or or be non-binary and not feel any pressure to be on hormones and like it's okay for other things in your life to for you to prioritize them like it would be better if sports were all mixed and so I would be able to continue to do the thing that I love and 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 you know do this other this other stuff that I need to do for my gender but at the moment when I have to make a choice the choice is very clear, clear for me and that is rugby which I mean if 12 year old Keras could hear what I'm saying right now <laughs> wow would they be surprised I mean that that brings us um 
sort of to the next bit because I mean you talk about like your relationship with your um vagina um that's sort of quite an extended sequence that is sort of semi-detached from from the rugby stuff so I mean like I mean my my reading of that bit is that it's about dysphoria but from what you're saying I mean is that a correct reading for from me as an audience um I mean like sort of like maybe I feel more comfortable about my vagina if I pretend that it's got stuff living inside it I don't know <laughs> to be honest I like I, this isn't so the bit and then so this bit in the the show again it's like another uh like it goes on to another visual bit and I've got this like um shark grabber thing that comes out into the audience yeah yeah and this was a bit that I was developing for my show, which in the show is now a goose rather than a shark. Oh, um, interesting. Okay. A very cool puppet, which was made by um, Elise Bramage, and it, like it's amazing. And it is quite phallic. Like I'm not gonna lie, it's quite like it's it's a long thing that comes out of my crotch area, uh, but it's not like it's not like a penis fantasy especially because it's really tied up with like the whole bit is around wanting to have a baby. Mm. So, and it, it's about like grabbing a baby and bringing a baby inside me, not about like fertilizing someone in the audience. So this very long phallic thing, which is coming out of my vagina is not a penis, uh, but maybe it is a way of my vagina, like not being a vagina, if it's actually something which is not in my body. I yeah. don't, like, it, it, it sounds to me like it's a vagina with an aggressive foreign policy rather than a penis. Is it's that like opposite of a foreign policy though? Like it's it's not trying to get people out, it's trying to bring as many people in as possible and trap them. Um but yeah, I I think it's just it's just a silly, it's just I just think it's funny. That's why I'm not trying to I'm not trying to make a statement about my body. I feel like I'm at a place now with my body where like the parts of my body that other people associate with gender, I no longer have to associate those things with gender, which is interesting. Like quite a big thing for me. Like I don't hate my womb anymore because it means like, oh, this is what makes me a woman. Um, because like I reject the kind of setup by which that is a logical statement to make. So I, I recognize that I have a uterus. And I also know that like politically and also inside myself, I don't feel like a woman. And those two things can just be true in my body. And also it's really fun to <laughs> wander around on stage and pretend that there is like an animal coming out of me and is trying to steal people's children. <laughs> all of those things are all of those things are true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is a really lovely, fun bit. Um, I mean, I, you, you wrote because I mean, like, um, again, this is something that is uh, much more visible on patreon.com forward slash quantum leopard. Uh, it's very much a visual um, bit of humor here. Um, and it is it is a lot of fun just having the absurdity of you snapping at the audience with this shark on a stick. I mean, when you were devising that bit, more from a comedic standpoint now, did you come at it more from like, okay, that's a silly prop. I can do a snappy, snappy thing with that isn't it amusing for it to be the vagina or did you come at it more from this is how I think about it and then you sort out the prop uh so the the second one and it's the same with the popcorn thing where mm. so I wrote this joke about this idea and I, that joke about there being a hand inside my uterus that reaches out and grabs at children as they go past that is a joke that I wrote 
when I was in when I was an undergraduate like the first time that I did that on stage I was like 19 years old and then it was kind of funny and then I put it to bed and then when I was putting together this show there's a bit in a bit uh, there's a there's a whole bit in my show about um my brother having kids and me becoming like connected to a small child mm. and when I was a kid one of the ways that I was very gendered as a child which I used to hate was everyone presuming that I would like want to play house and have a baby and I was always very adamant that I didn't want to have a baby and then they were all like oh you'll change your mind when you're older and then they were right and that's one of the <laughs> things uh because it's a group of people that I desperately don't want to prove right and it means that there's like a whole generation of kids now who those people are going to be like oh you'll change your mind when you're older and I'm the evidence of that that is true um but I so I had that joke and what I'm doing with my comedy a lot more now uh is just trying to like instead of so it was funny when I said it on stage and it's funny when you say on stage you know what you should do when you go on the train home tonight you should pour some popcorn in a mask and munch on it like a horse that's funny but I think it is funnier to say that and people be like ha 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 and then two minutes later be on stage with a thing reaching out of your vagina at people or be on stage pouring popcorn into a mask yeah. like I, it is it is funnier to do the thing so I had this joke and then I was like I'm gonna I'm gonna do it and I've tried out a whole bunch of different props and then thanks to my wonderful wonderful friends at least making one I've now got like a beautiful puppet which people love and I'm working with a really great tech in Edinburgh um Cara Compass and we've got a soundtrack to it and it's like so much fun um but that's sort of what I'm trying to do a lot more with my comedy and it helps that so my um my theme for this year it's uh 2022 just do it uh and so that's like uh, my comedy is a lot more visual now because I have this idea let's just run with it see what happens if we yeah. actually do it on stage what would that look like it's been really fun to really think about like not not just how do you you say it in a funny way but what if we push it what if we actually bring it on stage is that going to be funnier and, and a lot of the time it is yeah I think you do um you do showing not telling really well through doing that um yeah um and um it's really interesting as well because I'm like you're the closest thing we've ever had on the Quantum Leopard stage to a prop comic, right? So with the, with the number of props you have, um, and uh, I mean that, that's partly a function of we're a London-based gig. There aren't that many prop comedians, and if they are, they they don't live in London because people just don't have the space for like a cupboard of props. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. So um, if there's one thing that you could say to yourself at 18, what would it be? Uh, don't do a PhD. You're mm. really sad academia sucks they won't like you you have a terrible time so you've you've, you've made bad choices and you can really <laughs> hate everything until like 25 and then and then you'll feel like you've wasted the last eight years but technically if you don't do things in that order you're not going to meet amanda so probably Aww. you just have to go through this and that's kind of going to suck but one day you're going to live in a lovely flat and you're going to have a bookshelf of all of your friends who've written books, you can have all their books on a bookshelf and you're going to feel so smug about that. I mean, this is part of the thing, right? If you say, avoid this thing, avoid that thing, avoid the other thing, then who knows what you remove from the chain of causality that stops you from doing exactly. a great thing later on. Okay, so I, I have one specific piece of advice which should not mess up the timeline. Okay. And that is, when you move into Amanda's flat, 
the windows do open wider there is a catch on the side it's just a bit rusty push it a little bit harder and then you won't have to live for like three years in the <laughs> where the windows only open <laughs> that's my advice 18 year old character okay. good at good. the back of your brain yeah but uh like yeah eight years until it becomes relevant to your life yeah and you'll be so grateful <laughs> When it does, bam, game changer, and you'll be a couple of degrees cooler. Okay, that's good. <laughs> like that. Keep it, keep it tight, keep it specific. Okay, excellent. Um, lovely stuff. Well, um, thank you so much for joining us, Karis. It's been a pleasure and a delight. Um, if people want to uh, catch up with you and uh, keep up with the things that you're doing, where should they seek you out? So you should follow me on Twitter, hashtag Keris, for just basically plugs on my shows. And then you can follow me on Instagram, also hashtag Keris, for nice things like artwork and baked goods and then if you go to my website which is kerisbradley.com and go to the contact page you can sign up to my newsletter which is a monthly newsletter about the history of scientific research on queerness so you get an essay every month which is kind of intense but it looks at all the different ways that science has messed up the way that we think about queer people and communities so those are all the things that you should do and then you should check out um will at the, i will be touring sports person all all of the rest of 22 and the beginning of 23 so you should come see that show probably in a town near you lovely stuff thanks so much karis uh thank you for joining us uh thank you for cracking set see you in a bit bye bye was the quantum leopard podcast uh, if you want to catch a live show in london look us up at uh, linktree uh, forward slash quantum leopard to sign up to the mailing list uh, we will never take advertising because advertising is cultural poison but from each according to their ability to each according to their need so if you enjoyed our guests in your ears but would like them in your eyes as well uh, we have uh, videos of whole shows up on patreon.com forward slash quantum leopard we only charge when a new live show video comes out if you enjoyed the show why not give us a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice and or share this episode on the socials editing was by uh, Reese Lawton, who is uh, conventionally attractive and fun at parties. Uh, music was composed and produced by Rooks Production Services at, at I Am Rooks on the socials. That's Rooks with an E. Uh, the Quantum Leopard podcast is distributed and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License, which means you can share it as much as you like, but don't uh, change it or sell it in any way because I will find out where you live. Uh, kind love and see you soon. Bye. You need, you need to do a whole bunch of horrible things which are going to be really difficult for you but in 12 years time absolute banger of a debut show might make <laughs> you're right <laughs>